All right, Jesse, what do you have for me this week? When it comes to marriage, two plus one can equal threesome fun. But when three minus two, someone ends up blue, as in sad or dead. I'm Andy Cassette. I'm Jesse Prey, and this is Love Murder. All right. Hi, Andy. Hi, Jesse. All right. So before we get started on this threesome-licious case, a big thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. Every rating and review helps new people discover love murder, so we appreciate each and everyone. Thank you guys so much. We've also been loving getting to meet all of you on social. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at lovemurderpod, and our website is lovemurder.love. And lastly, if any of you have great cases of normal people driven to murderous extremes by love, sex, or passion that you'd like us to cover, please email us at lovers at lovemurder.love and let me know. Okay, Andy, are you ready for a case with threesomes, young lovers, jealousy, target shooting, crazy amounts of beer drinking, and of course, danger? You had me at crazy amounts of beer drinking. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I'm surprised it took us till episode five to get to a threesome episode. Same, same. But, you know, they kind of <laughs> yeah. they have to be a little rare, right? Right. Well, we'll see. We're going to pop our cherry for the group sex thing this week, and I'm personally <laughs> very excited about it. Let's get right in. <laughs> yeah. So today we have episode five. And it is our very first three-way. This is going to be a really interesting story. It's like I know that sometime we've talked about cheating and how like, you know, there's so many myriad options for couples these days um, in different ways to configure re- your relationship. And so if somebody wants to cheat, maybe they could just talk about opening up their relationship with their partner. And this is an example of how that m- could be a mature thing to do rather than cheating on your spouse. But it can also be not not a great thing for your relationship or your life. As so, in yeah. you so, could get killed. As in it could end your life. Yes, <laughs> it could be dangerous. So yeah, the three people involved in this story, all of whom seemed like really sweet, caring, loving people, they end up on a destructive path that leads to murder, disfigurement, and loads of sadness for everyone involved. Disfigurement. Disfigurement figures into the story. So this is definitely, <laughs> you know, something that starts off sexy, sex, sex, sex. And ends up saddy, sad, sad, sad. Got it. Okay. So let's just jump right in. Our story begins in Marengo, Iowa with a young and very in love couple named Taunch and Mandy. So Taunch is this kind of like almost rednecky, young, good looking guy. He loves hunting and fishing and drinking. And he's only 24 when he meets 20 year old Mandy at a house party and he falls instantly in love. Mandy's very pretty and vivacious. She's blonde and she has all the same interests as Taunch. They really hit it off right away. And so the night Taunch and Mandy meet, he tells his friend, I'm going to marry that girl. And he is true to his word. Five months after they meet, the two get married. How do you spell taunch? It's T-O-N-C-H. Okay. Taunch. Yeah, and I I don't – I think that's like his given name because I didn't find – like in the court records and stuff, he's taunch. So that's – 
an interesting, I don't know if you are from Iowa and that's a common name, please let us know, but I have not heard it before. (laughs) So yeah, he says he's going to marry that girl and he marries her five months later. They get married in October, 1996 at an American Legion hall. So they already have a couple red flags here for love murder couples. Number one, they're super young when they get married. They're only 20 and 24. Ah, oh, yeah, that's so young. It's so young. And I think it's it's like, first of all, you're kind of making uh, an impetuous decision. You maybe they, you know, secondly, they got married so fast, so they haven't gotten a chance to get to know each other really well. Yeah. And I was laughing because this is the second couple we've had that got married in like five months or less. And obviously, I got married really fast, yeah. but Andy and her husband knew each other for like 12 years before yeah. they got married. <laughs> so guys, be like Andy. Don't be like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you worked out just fine. Yeah, we're, we're both doing pretty well, but <laughs> in general, I think knowing them longer helps. Yeah. Um, and then third, if they're on our show, you can already tell something bad is going to happen to them because <laughs> this is love murder. <laughs> so even though they have, you know, they're really young and they met really fast, they're super duper in love. They're infatuated with each other. And in all of the wedding photos, which we're definitely going to put one up on the Instagram, they look absolutely thrilled and like really, really cute. She looks like a young kind of figured Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks. And she's wearing this like super 80s and 90s style gown with like the long flowy like sleeves. And he looks like a young kind of cowboy version of Ray Liotta, like with a mullet. Um, But he's got like nice skin. He doesn't have like the Ray Liotta pockmark thing. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Ray Liotta. You're a very good looking man. Your skin though is not... You know, he's got young 24-year-old skin. Um, Later on, like, we'll also have pictures of him when he's older. He looks like time has taken away a lot of those good looks. But when he's younger, he's really handsome. He's got these really stunning blue eyes. And Mandy's, like, super cute, like, girl next door with, like, a sweet baby face. Got it. Okay. So they have so much fun together. I think that was a big draw in their relationship. They, like, go hunting and fishing together. He even gives her a 20-gauge shotgun for their first Christmas together and they love to party. I mean, they, they're like the party house for all their friends. They buy a farmhouse that's like way out in the country and it becomes a huge party destination. So they have wild get togethers every weekend, like all weekend long with kegs and target shooting and Taunch, especially as a regular drinker who can put down like six to 12 beers a day easy and usually does so like every day. Yeah. So they're pretty hardcore. Usually Mandy can keep up with him, but within the first like two to three years of their marriage, they already have two small children. They did not waste any time. I mean, she was pregnant fairly soon after the wedding, and then they had a child again fairly soon after that. So she's been pretty much pregnant or having kids for the first couple years of their marriage, which is a lot. So by the end of 1999, after celebrating their third anniversary, the marriage is already in a rut, which totally makes sense because they've had two kids. So they have a toddler and an infant at this point. And they're so young. They're so young. She's almost 24. So she's not even 24 and he's almost 28. Their birthdays are in January and February. So at the end of 1999, they're 23 and 27 and they already have these two kids. So I think that's a lot of responsibility really young. Yeah. So their like sex life is definitely suffering. And obviously they were so passionate about each other early on that it's kind of surprising to both of them that it's lacking. So Tonch's solution – 
is that they have a threesome. Okay. 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 You know, his feelings are that they're still young and attractive and they do super love each other. They just need to spice things up in the bedroom. And he thinks that, you know, he's really interested in the fantasy of two women at the same time and together. And she in the past has not been like anti it, but I think she's fantasized more about it, like keeping it a fantasy. You know, just something like you talk about when you're dirty talking, but like maybe you're not going to do. So she's a little taken aback. She's not so convinced. She had never imagined a relationship, especially in marriage, outside of monogamy. And marriage and with she kids. Also, and marriage with kids. So you you have got some small little tykes running around too. Yeah. So she also has, you know, she's self-aware enough to know that she has a jealous streak that Tonch doesn't have. So she's like, there's some parts of this that seem very interesting and kind of sexy. But she's, of course, worried how she's going to feel when she's actually, you know, yeah. with another partner or seeing her husband with another and woman. And after. I feel like a lot and of people don't think after. about what it's going to be like after and then. Exactly. So she's thinking about all these things. And so they end up like talking about it practically for a couple months. And of course, there's like, you know, some practical things to work out. But then there's also the sexy things, which is like, well, wouldn't it be nice if someone was doing this or you got to see this or, you know, so they're like thinking about it, but they're also thinking about it in a positive way. So it just keeps coming up in conversation. So Tanj promises Mandy that if she's willing to give it a try, that he'll stick to the following ground rules. One, all parties are involved in the bedroom at all time, meaning Mandy or Tanj can't have one-on-one sex with a new partner. Yeah, Like they have to be all together all the time. Really smart. Two, communication goes through both Mandy and Taunch with a new partner. So it's kind of like, I don't know in like 1999 if there was like group texting capabilities, but it's the equivalent now. Like you'd always be on the thread. You wouldn't like have a one-on-one text conversation. It's like the 90s. It's like a threesome email. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a threesome (laughs) private chat room. Yeah, exactly. We have to get on our AOL room. Let's log on to AOL together. Let's sibe. <laughs> and then lastly, there will be no pursuing any outside – like anyone outside of the pre-approved partner they both have okayed. Yeah, these so all sound it, like really smart rules. They're really good guide rules. And there's like some people who have like an open marriage and it's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell. And each of the spouses can like go out and meet people and do their own thing as long as they don't tell about – this is not that type of relationship. They – need to be together and involved and make this a mutual thing every step of the way, which I think is healthy when you're trying to embark on this type of relationship. So now that they've like settled the ground rules and Mandy's in agreement, Taunch ends up connecting with a young woman named Anna. So Anna is a slender blonde 19-year-old that Taunch knew because he had grown up with her older step-sibling. So they're older than her. Taunch is at this point 28, Mandy's 24. And Anna's 19. So, I mean, with Mandy only being like five years older than her, I guess it's not too weird. I think just like the 19 to 27 seems like a lot. So they had reconnected. Like they ran into each other at a local bar. And Taunch proposes she participate in what he terms a sexual experiment with his wife. And so Anna's really fun. She's young. She's intrigued. And I think she's like definitely at that stage when you're like just out of your teens or just about out of your teens, early 20s, where you're like, why the hell not? Like I'm out of my parents' house. I'm like out for some fun, you know? 
And single. And single. So she's like, why not try this out once in my life, you know? So she says yes. He confirms it's cool with Mandy. And by February of 2000, they are having their first threesome. (laughs) So Tonch, of course, loves it. This is the ultimate fantasy come true for him. Duh. And somewhat surprisingly, Mandy loves it too. Like she ends up having a great time and being like super into it. And Anna ends up also satisfied. So really like all parties are happy with this, which I think is sometimes like hard to do when you're having any type of threesome, foursome, or moresome. Like just by the numbers, the more people you involve, somebody's not going to be satisfied. <laughs> Someone's going to feel left out. Yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like they really pulled this off that like all three people left it going, yeah, that was fucking great. Sent the kids Um, over to Nana's, whatever. Exactly. Get your freak on. So it seems like, you know, nobody's getting hurt by this. Everybody's happy. And it it turns out like not only do they like just having sex with Anna, they really like hanging out with her. So it becomes something that's more than just, you know, sexy, sex, sex, sex. They begin dating her. So they're having – yeah, they're like – this, this is like getting serious. They're like having her sleep over. They're, she's meeting the kids. Yikes. Yeah. So this goes from like a swingers type of sexual affair and fantasy to more of like what we would now call a polyamorous relationship. Because there's more like there's more feelings and there's like some sort of commitment involved in this. So they end up living like this for the next 10 months. And and Whoa. they really like see her a couple times a week. Like it's a, it's a real relationship. And during this time, the Weldon's marriage improves drastically. This might be the first time in history a guy has suggested a threesome to improve the quality of his marriage. <laughs> and it has worked, right? Oh, actually, before I go on, I, I forgot to do uh, my sources at the yeah. beginning. So I found this story on Fatal Vows which is an Investigation Discovery Channel show. Of course. Um, And I also took a lot from Trish Mahaffey's. She's a uh, reporter for the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and she live-blogged the trial, and she also wrote some articles for them that I used. And lastly, for a treat, at the end of the episode, I'm going to have some select clips from Tauncha's very own MySpace profile. Stop. Yeah, there's no Wikipedia fun facts this week, but there is MySpace fun facts. (laughs) MySpace reenactments. Exactly. You guys are getting the real investigation discovery treatment this week, the reenactments and all. Um, Okay, so so back to the threesome. And so the threesome has actually really helped their marriage, and they're really happy. However, Anna ultimately ends the relationship at the end of 2000 because she wants to have her own partner and family, which is totally understandable. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So as much as this is a loving relationship, it's also impossible to ignore that Tonch and Mandy are married. They're the ones who have kids together and, of course, live together. So Anna knew that the primary relationship was never going to change, you know? Smart. Yeah. So the trio all split up, um, but they're on totally amateur amicable terms and they actually remain friends afterwards. So all in all, nobody gets burned. No one's like heartbroken. This actually was a fairly good experiment for everybody. So now that Tonch and Mandy have been bitten by the threesome bug, uh, they are raring for more. So over the next few years, they end up meeting various women at bars or friends of friends that end up warming their bed on and off. So they're like, Now, I guess, like, for lack of a better word, like, swingers, kind of. Yep. 
So they are all like, they're still at this point sticking to the rules. And that's what really makes this arrangement work is that everything is about honesty. Everything's above board. All of the communication is really explicit, you know, but eventually like Mandy starts to tire of the women taunches parading into their bedroom because it's always Taunch who is being the aggressor in this. He's the one who's always like finding the women. And sometimes they like go out to the bars together and like are like, ooh, like she's cute or she's looking over here and they do it together. But it's really a lot at his goading more than Mandy's. And at some point too, which I think is really what's pissing her off, she starts to think that he might not be honoring all of their agreements. How so? So she starts to get like a little suspicious that he's seeing women behind her back. Oh, really? Yeah. And then eventually – Come on. Her suspicions are confirmed. I know. It's It's like the same thing with Joss. Yeah. It's the same thing with our Kenya episode with Joss. It's like a guy gets a little bit with the sex party stuff and then all of a sudden he just thinks he can, you know, give him an inch and he takes a mile. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. And so this – she ends up catching Taunch with another woman and it it appears that it's not the first time. Oh, no. Yeah. And I think that – For some people who have these types of arrangements, like the boundaries can get very blurry. Of course, yeah. And but at the same time, this is the ultimate betrayal for Mandy because she allows him so much freedom. And these are these are like they only had those three rules, and he's basically now beat all of them. You know, they're the whole trust is gone. He's beat all of them. He's beaten off on all of them. He's beaten off on all of them. Yeah, he has screwed all the rules and all the ladies. So I think it's just – it's terrible. So Mandy's feeling terrible about this and she's like, we need to close the relationship back up because she can understand intellectually like how they got from A to B to C, which is like it just – they went from like – he's like, if you let us do this one thing, this one time, I promise I'll follow all these rules till after they had had – you know, tens or I don't even know how many women over the years, all of a sudden, like all of those boundaries were eroded and he stopped paying attention to the rules. It's kind of like when you like, you know, cut a corner once and you're like, oh, I got away with it. And then you keep cutting more of a corner, you know? You're going to hit a fire hydrant. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So basically she's like, the only thing I think we can do is close the relationship back up and get our marriage back on track, which is a very good idea. But he obviously doesn't want to do this. This is like between 2006 and 2008 is when this is really like the shit is hitting the fan with their relationship. And I think it's really hard because at that point, you know, 2006 is 10 years married. They started like opening up their marriage three years into the relationship. So that means for seven years they've had this agreement. So he might not be ready to go back to something they only had for three years and that he doesn't have very good memories of, you know? Yeah. So they're fighting all of the time. A lot of time, like, their neighbors are calling the police for domestic disputes. Yeah. it's it's And it's never, like, they're not calling the police on each other, but other people are concerned about them, especially with, like, the heavy drinking. There's always fighting. And kids. And and kids around, which is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So in it really comes to a head at the end of 2008. And this is like when they've been married for 12 years now. And somebody reports another domestic disturbance. But this time, Mandy says Taunch punched her. 
punched so it's very her. different. Yeah, usually they're like, we just, you know, we're just arguing and things got out of hand. This time she's like, he hit me. So they take him to jail, obviously. And after two weeks, Mandy goes back and said, like, takes everything back. She says he didn't punch her. She says that uh, it was her, she was the one responsible for the fight, that she kind of goaded him. And she, like, like literally begs them to drop the charges. And since she was the only one saying what happened, they had to drop the charges, right? Uh, I guess. I mean, yeah. I like- mean, and I think from her perspective, he was working full time. She only ever had like part-time jobs. And I'm sure she was like, I guess my kids need their dad. We can work this out. You know, a lot – that's why a lot of, you know, women domestic abuse victims end up taking their abusers back. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. But luckily at least – I mean luckily. There's nothing lucky about this. But he seems to have a big wake-up call at this moment. He realizes he's been completely wrong. However – he still doesn't want to drop the whole extramarital sex thing altogether, which you think that he would. He thinks he's been going about it wrong. Like he's been finding women that are obviously primarily straight and are interested in him, and he hasn't been trying hard enough to find women that are expressly interested in Mandy. Or why don't you do it with a dude then if you're fine with having another girl in the bedroom? Have a dude come and – No way. This guy is too like redneck manly. I'm sure he couldn't handle it, and which is very unfair. If you want it's so a guy, unfair. straight couples who get involved in threesomes, if you would like to have sex with another woman with your partner, then you should also be prepared to let your partner have sex with another good Absolutely. dude. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100% what's good, good for the getter. Yes. Yes. Andy, would you like to deliver this one? I would. <laughs> okay. Go now, for it. Now it's time for your love murder PSA. Threesomes can be with any mix of people. And honestly, I think it's only fair that you can – if you can do it one way, you have to be able to do it the other. Absolutely. And if you the don't woman have wants. have sex with a guy. No. Yeah. You don't have to have sex with a guy. But you need to be there for moral support while she yeah. gets railed. By that cute guy, you might like it. Okay, you might like it. Never know. You never Never know know. when you try try it. (laughs) That was a particularly spicy PSA. I gotta say, muy caliente. Okay, so we go back to Tonch's brilliant idea that he just hasn't found the right woman for Mandy. Unbelievable. In February of 2009, Tonch thinks he's cracked the code when he meets 35-year-old Amy Gephardt through a friend of a friend. And Amy is a curvy, cute brunette who is described as kind and gentle. And guess what? She's an actual out lesbian. So Tonch thinks that she'll really hit it off with Mandy and that it'll be great for Mandy to have a partner who's particularly interested in her. Has Mandy ever expressed any desire to be with a lesbian? I I think that that has been an element in a lot of these relationships, but the women haven't necessarily gotten into it because of that. But I think it's like it is ended up that way a lot of times. So I think it's definitely a facet of these threesomes that she's enjoyed. But maybe, um, but had, maybe hasn't had the conversation or the realization. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And I think she was also with Taunch so young. She was only 20 yeah. that I don't know if there was a side of her sexuality she didn't get to explore when yeah. she was younger. So this seems like something he believes she'll be into and he ends up being correct. Awesome. 
So what happens is that he introduces the two of them at a bar and they really, really hit it off. But the rest of the night, like Mandy's a little weirded out because Taunch and Amy end up like whispering a lot. And so she's like, that's weird. I like thought she was gay and I thought she was into me, but she's like whispering with my husband a lot. And it turns out that's because Taunch is planning a 33rd birthday surprise for Mandy. And so he sets up this like romantic evening at a motel with Amy and he with Amy and just Amy so yeah so he decides to take her he like blindfolds her brings her in and Amy's like lying on the bed like the present and he's like okay I'm gonna pick you up in the morning and they had like booze and all this stuff so he's so like see you so that's a good move. Yes. I think definitely this move for him was like a mea culpa, like for getting caught cheating. Yeah. And of course, whatever happened that led to him going to jail, obviously. Yeah. So this is him trying to get the marriage back on track. And by all accounts, Taunch really, really was obsessed with his wife. Like, absolutely. Like, he thought it was very bonding for them to have these sexual experiences together. And I think this is his way of trying to make his wife happy, but also kind of like having his cake and eating it too. It still continues this, like, interesting sexual dynamic that he has grown very fond of. And that he wants to continue to explore. Exactly. So he's like, okay, this is how I can keep my wife, keep my wife happy, get her not angry with me, hopefully. And I can keep this like fun three-way thing going. Or his own thing. Exactly. So they end up having like an amazing time. And I think it's also very naughty for Mandy because this is the first time she's broken the rules. So this is like for the first time she can focus on an extra new partner with all of her mind and body and not be thinking about Taunch for once, you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy though because I feel like the rules were made to protect their relationship. Yep. And obviously Taunch just decided to break it, but like he kind of also made the decision for her to break it and she didn't really get to make that decision on her own and who knows if she would have. I know. She and might I have think just stayed on it. mind was like, okay, if I broke it and she's mad at me, if I encourage her to break it, then we're going to be even and she can't be mad at me. That's not really how but it that's works. not – No, it's like the whole two wrongs don't make a right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually the beginning of not a great time for Taunch. So, you know, this wasn't actually a fantastic plan. So they end up having an amazing night together, but – Mandy doesn't want to say she's going to see Amy again because she's still adhering to some of the rules, which is you don't like have these private conversations without your partner. So the next morning, she's just kind of like, that was sexy fun. Thanks. Bye. And so she tells Taunch that she had like a really, really good time. But, you know, it's very much in his core if that's going to happen again. And he surprises her again by inviting Amy over two nights later to their house this time. Okay. And this time, Amy also gets down with Taunch. Really? Yes. So I'm not sure what Amy's like early sexual life was. So if she had never been with another man or if she had and then, you know, she this is like rural Iowa. So yeah. I'm sure she had experimented For with sure, men maybe. Yeah. So I, I think that there was a specific connection she had with this couple. And I think obviously she was extremely attracted and connected to Mandy mm-hmm. enough that it was like sexy and fun and open enough that she felt comfortable with Taunch. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So there was definitely some sort of – everyone was getting satisfied in this arrangement. 
Um, and, and I think they, ultimately, it, if she knows that Mandy's going to get off from her being around, and it, even more so with Chanch there, and she was also kind of like, I got to go, bye, because she's still abiding yeah. by the rules. <laughs> she's like, oh, she wants to be a good girl. Like, I'll just come over. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just really – so they actually end up having so much fun together and there's like this chemistry and dynamic that they haven't had in years. Like it hasn't been this like hot and fun since like the first time with Anna. So it kind of like brings back this like honeymoon sex feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So they start seeing her like every night. I mean she is like over all the time. It's like crazy. She practically moves in. And then she actually moves in. Within weeks, she loses her job. She was uh, like an assistant at a veterinary practice and she got like downsized or something. Yeah. And so she was too broke to make her rent. And so she's telling them about her financial issues and they're like, well, you're here like almost every night. Why don't you just move in with us? So she literally moves in. She The only thing she had was a camper. So she like took her camper, <laughs> parked in their front yard, which is like there's some lesbian U-Haul jokes over here mm-hmm. that she – yeah. They're just waiting in the <laughs> – just, just make them amongst yourselves. You know you're thinking it. <laughs> oh. I wish our best friend Kate was like subbing in on this one I because do. she's a lesbian. She could make these jokes, you just know? Just commentary. Yeah. We need like the real lesbian commentary here. <laughs> Next time we'll we'll sub Kate in. <laughs> <laughs> so their kids are like preteens at this point. They're like 10 or 12. And Amy loves kids and she's great with them. And she becomes like a third parent to them. Aww. Like they really love having her around. Like this is something that seems actually healthy for the family, not as like salacious and scandalous as you would think. And I'm sure that if they have been having these kind of assignations with other people this whole time, I'm pretty sure that like the kids have gotten used to it. So I'm sure that they just love having a stable partner yeah, rather than maybe a revolving door. Veterinary assistant. She loves animals. She's probably so sweet. Yes, exactly. She seemed – everybody talked about how nurturing she was. She's very nurturing and warm. So I think the kids love having her around. Obviously, it's great for the family. I personally, I told my husband that for not sex-related purposes, but if we could have a third adult to help me watch our child, I would be like, move on in, baby. Come on in. (laughs) Seriously, ask any parent of a child under two, and they would gladly have an extra adult around to help them mind their child. A warm, loving adult to take care (laughs) of their child. (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, I don't think I'd put out. Out, but like I'd love to have the next person <laughs> who knows <laughs> how much is free childcare worth <laughs> so basically now things seem absolutely perfect they are getting like everything they want their kids are happy and Tanch, Mandy and Amy are totally out with their relationship to all of their friends and family no way so, yeah so this is like I said it's pretty progressive for like you Iowa. know early 2000s Iowa and this is rural like farmland area you know I think that their friends had known that they were having these types of relationships for years so I think it was actually nice for them to be kind of more settled And Tonch's mom was actually on Fatal Vows, and she said, like, I quote, I didn't agree with it, but they were adults. So there was, like, I think among the parents, which is an older generation, kind of like, I don't understand this. This isn't my thing. (laughs) But at the same time, you're like, as long as everyone's happy, right? Yeah, they're like, you guys aren't miserable and still married. You don't hate each (laughs) other. 
<laughs> That's not a traditional marriage if you don't hate each other every single day. <laughs> You're still having sex 12 years into the marriage? What? <laughs> um, yeah, so everybody knows, and they're still having these like wild weekend parties and family get togethers. So, like, everybody knows that Amy is an equal third partner in this relationship. So, everything on the surface is going great. But in April of 2009, so this has only been like a couple months, the women start having sex with each other behind Tonch's back. Didn't want to uh. say it. Told you so. <laughs> when but you I, bring a lesbian into the hen house. That was coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, this is another karma fairy situation. Karma fairy. Yeah, we got another karma fairy jizz situation karma going on squeege. here. <laughs> karma squeeze. Yeah, I, I hope if anyone is listening to this show who likes just like pure true crime and not with a side of sex, this episode is surely shocking and disappointing you. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks well, for listening. We'll get you back. But thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> Disgusting. So yeah, so this was obviously bound to happen. Like there's a couple things at play here, which is A, Amy's a lesbian. So of course she'd be more attracted to Mandy. That was the whole point of the yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think that I don't know how easy it is to get over your partner of 12 years cheating on you. There might be still some revenge feelings. This seems a little obvious in retrospect. Yeah. yeah. And also, there's also this is that Mandy only works a part-time job and Taunch is gone for 12-hour shifts. Yeah. And they're home together. And they're home together. Yeah. Yes. And she's very nurturing and she's like an equal parent. Like Taunch was very much the man, macho man of the house. Like he provided and he got to drink his beer and he shoot his guns and stuff. So I'm guessing the women are the ones doing the childcare and cooking and cleaning and stuff. Having somebody that can share that load with you and also be emotionally open and be like physically attracted to you is very powerful. Yeah, he messed up there. Yeah, exactly. Setting up that so, hotel rendezvous. <laughs> yeah, also they got a taste, literally a taste. <laughs> so the two women are falling passionately in love. I mean, they are like now like stealing moments together and they start saying, I love you. And they kind of start fantasizing about what a life with just the two of them would look like. So Taunch does not realize what's going on. And he's like just so happy that Mandy is so happy. Mandy's like in a great mood all of the time. I mean, she's like falling in love. She's like, this is like her she's meeting She's getting taken care of. Yes, in every possible way here. You know, she has a real partner, you know? And and so he's so happy that like Mandy seems so happy and they're having a very active sex life. So he's getting his too. It's not just like they're having sex on the side. They do not have the problem of the acts murder story where the guy could only go once a day. They These ladies can go. So they're like having sex around the clock. They're having a great time. He thinks it's the best relationship he's ever been in. And he thinks this is the best that their marriage has ever been. So he even goes to one of their friends who makes jewelry and commissions three rings so that they can have a new commitment ceremony. So while they're sleeping behind his back, they don't know that he's doing this. And he's planning on like presenting them with these new rings and suggesting that they have like a new wedding. So it's a lot. This is a lot that's going on, <laughs> which is a lot. 
And so basically his friends know how serious he is and they talk all about basically how they had had all these partners before, but this is the first time they've wanted to like marry someone. Yeah. So this is crazy. They've never had this level of commitment and it doesn't seem like the women knew about these plans that he was having. Okay. And they were getting like further into their own fantasy of just being together at this point. So it comes to a head Memorial Day weekend, 2009. And they have this like wild party and it's all weekend. Reportedly, they go through six kegs in one night. That is so much beer. Guys, I worked at a popular Boston restaurant and I don't think I ever, ever changed six kegs in one night. Like ever. That is insane. So them and their friends are like crazy drinkers. Six kegs. That's nuts. Whoa. Yeah. So they're partying. And so it's an all day, all night party, like I said, and everyone is pretty trashed. So at this point, Tanch can tell something's not quite right. It seems like Mandy and Amy have been like side chatting a lot, whispering to each other, and he's feeling a little left out. And so he pulls Mandy aside to talk about their marriage. And Mandy's drunk too. <laughs> at the party. Yeah. You know, the perfect time to talk yeah. about your marriage. Wasted. Yeah. And Mandy's wasted. And so she just unleashes the truth on him. Like, I'm falling in love with Amy and we're just a really good fit. And we want to be together and we see a future, but not with you. So she's like in Bureau Veritas over here. Like she's Bureau really Veritas. letting it. I wrote I wrote that one down I like when I was that. writing the script. <laughs> Most of the stuff is off the cuff, but every once in a while I write a line like that down. So yeah, Tanch is so shocked. I do think that he had like the whole reason he didn't let another man in, I think he does have this very chauvinistic feeling like only another man could take his woman, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that makes and sense. that's why he's always let her have sex with women is because he didn't find it. He didn't find it threatening. Exactly. And so he is like blown away that, that no. she could possibly fall in love with a woman and leave him, you know? And Amy doesn't have a job at this point. So he's like, what is she bringing to the table, you know? That ego too. That's like an ego. Boom. Yeah. His brain explodes and he like goes into the house to get his gun and he tells Mandy he's going to kill himself. Like, if you leave me, if you're going to leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And she knows he's really drunk. So she gets the gun away from him and she, like, calms him down and she spends the night with him. Like, they basically go inside and they, like, she's like, I love you. I'm so sorry. Like, he gets the reaction he wants from this, which is she's horrified. She's scared. And it brings out that she still obviously loves him. Yeah. He's the father of her children. Yeah. She doesn't want him to blow his head off. Yeah. So she especially up, at the party like <laughs> major party foul um so yeah so she ends up staying with him all evening and the next day they don't talk about it so this is things are not going well and i have to tell you guys this is like our second psa of the episode but there's two things that will not save your marriage the first is babies don't have a baby <laughs> to save your marriage no and the second <laughs> Is a threesome. Don't have one of those to save your marriage too. They both end up being a lot of trouble. Yeah, you can do both of them for fun. Yeah. If you guys are in a really good place and you just want to celebrate your relationship and, you know, you can really emotionally support each other through it, through have a threesome and a baby. Yeah. Like, why not? You know, have the threesome before you have the baby though. I was That's say, that the order correct is order. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because after the baby, you're going to be too tired to have a threesome. So that could be fun. definitely get it out of, you know, ahead of the time. 
No, or wait till they go to college. You got to do something with the empty nest. So yeah. So basically the next day, he doesn't say anything to either of them. Like it's like they're just pretending it didn't happen. Um, oh, it's very healthy. And, yeah, not a good – so it's festering, right? Yeah. And even though he doesn't talk to Mandy or Amy, some of his friends and his mom report that he brought this up to them. So he is just completely rocked and he, you know, goes drinking with some of his friends and he's like, just can't believe it. He's very much the king of the castle was how he was described by his friends. And so this is just really throwing him. Like he always loved like having more women, having his kids and being like the provider for this like kind of like harem, you know, almost. And so this is just really throwing him because he doesn't have an identity without his wife and his children or like his extramarital partner, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's like a tiny violin playing in the background somewhere, but I can't seem to hear it. <laughs> yes, because it's so tiny. It's so tiny. Yeah. So he's like telling his friends about this and then he tells his mom that he thinks what he's going to do is he's going to ask Mandy not to sleep with Amy for a month, like just so they can like clear – out the sexual stuff and that kind of like oxytocin connection that they're having through the sexual contact and did he actually maybe, think about that the oxytocin thing i don't think so that's my okay. theory okay. <laughs> i don't think he used the word oxytocin <laughs> i think he's just thinking like wow sex makes people together and yeah. i'd like them not to be yeah. together <laughs> yeah separate please oh. So yeah, so he told that to his mom and only a week goes by. It's like the following week that everything really goes all to hell. So yeah, so the following weekend on Sunday, June 7th, 2009, this is where it gets tragic, 911 receives a harrowing phone call. There's a hysterical woman on the phone screaming and what sounds like a struggle and a gunshot. On the phone? Well, they're on the phone. So obviously they're they dispatch the police as soon as possible, but they're in a pretty rural area. So it takes 15 minutes for the police to make it there. And when they do, they're greeted by a horrifying sight. A man and a woman have been shot. So the surviving woman who called 911 is Mandy. So Taunch and Amy have been shot. She's hysterical and completely covered with blood. Taunch what? is laying – yeah, so the the police, like, are trying – like, one holds her aside to make sure she's safe, A, and, and then, like, you know, pulls her aside and out of the house. And then in the house, they first run across Taunch, who's laying on his back, and it appears that he is dead. He is suffering from a shotgun wound to the face. So his like mouth and jaw are like missing. Like somebody shot him right in the face. Whoa. Yeah. And Amy has been shot one singular time right in the chest and it went directly into her heart. Oh no. Yes. It's really, really sad. Amy is declared dead at the scene. That one shot at close range just Jeez. took her out. Yeah. So at this point, the police originally think Taunch is also dead, but then a paramedic realizes he's hanging onto life by a thread. So Taunch isn't dead. He's still alive. So they airlift him 35 miles to the nearest hospital, and he has to start going through surgeries at this point because his 
face is super mangled. So Mandy's the only witness to the crime. So they obviously bring her down to the sheriff's office and they bag up her clothing. They give her some like clothes to wear, some like, scrubs. kids? Um, the, so the kids were outside. They were in the driveway when the cops come. So I think they go to Tonch's mother. Okay. So she gets to like basically – it's either Tonch's mom or her sister. But I think that some family member came and took the children. Okay. And she goes down to the sheriff's office. Uh, which you get into later exactly what the kids saw, which is super sad. So they're, you know, questioning her. They photograph her. They fingerprint her. And while she is obviously the only witness, she's also the only suspect because two people are shot and she's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little suspect. Yep. So they begin questioning her at the station while forensic investigators are on the scene. And then there's other detectives that are at the hospital with Taunch who are waiting for him to wake up from his first surgery yep. to be able to talk to him to find out what happened. So they find three spent shotgun shells at the scene. And they did say that the house was like a mess. And I think it's because this was another weekend that they had been partying. So they said that like there's like beer cans everywhere. Like it was really hard for them to process the scene because it was just such a mess. Oh, man. I know. And they find the shotgun. And this is not also not good for Mandy. It's registered to Mandy, not Taunch, the shotgun that's used in the crime. And they find two different sets of prints on the shotgun. And the fingerprints match those of Taunch and Mandy. Yeah, because they used to like go shooting together. Didn't he get her a gun for Christmas or whatever? Exactly. But they have bloody prints of both of theirs. Oh. So these aren't like old prints. These are from that day prints. That makes a difference. Exactly. So Taunch does pull through. Here's that the two shots like were mostly cosmetic injuries. Like it just blew his jaw off. It didn't hit anything vital, shockingly. That's insane. Um, yeah. So his jaw is essentially gone. So obviously he can't speak. Um, but he signals to the officers that he wants to write a statement. So they give him paper and pen and he writes three notes that are kind of damning but very unclear. He writes, used her gun, which could be like he used her gun, she used her gun. Yeah. Trig trigger bitch, which would make me think that she did it. And then he wrote Mandy rot in hell. Those are the three things that was his statement. Those were his statements. That's the so, most vague statement. Yeah, it doesn't help. So the detectives come up with a few plausible stories based on the forensics and what he's saying. So one, that Mandy shot Amy and tried to shoot Taunch and they struggled with a gun and she only blew his jaw off, right? Yeah, but why would she Which, shoot Amy? Exactly. It doesn't seem likely. But no. they don't know the ins and outs of their relationship of yeah, yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? To us, we know that it, Mandy wouldn't shoot Amy. No. Two, that Taunch shot Amy, which makes more sense. Yeah. And that Mandy wrestled the gun away from him and then she shot him. Yeah. Because he shot Amy. Even which if it was by, like, accident, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like, shot, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And or three, that Taunch shot Amy and then he tried to kill himself and only injured himself. Which is possible, but it's also you don't know because he's a really good hunter. Like he's really well established with guns. So you'd himself. think exactly you'd think so. So the forensics experts report back at this time that it appeared that the fingerprints on the gun were actually at opposite angles. So one set of fingerprints is on the trigger, and another set is grasping the gun, which would indicate a person on the opposite side trying to wrestle the gun away. Uh-huh. So they asked Tonch straight up if Mandy shot him, and he admits he shot himself. What? 
I know. It just seems so inconceivable that he did such a bad job of it. But I guess if she was pulling away, you know what I mean? Yeah, so she's trying to pull the gun to get it away from him. So when they ask him who shot Amy, he indicates he wants an attorney. We know what that means. Yeah, he did it. So obviously the prints on the trigger are Taunches and the other prints are Mandy's, which corroborates her statement, what she has said to the police, which is the following. So the police are ruling out Mandy now. And so they can really count on her and her children's statements to be true and to piece together what happened that terrible day. Which is helpful. Yes. So Mandy and Amy had taken the kids who are 10 and 12 to church and or Mandy's sister home. So I heard two reports. I heard that they had been at Mandy's sister's house. I also heard that they had been at church. So they might have gone to both. They might have gone to like church and then gone to Mandy's sister's house. So they had been away. And when they returned, Taunch was drinking beer with a couple friends. And it's unclear exactly how much beer he has had at this point. Couple kegs. Um, Potentially. But the thing is, nobody remembers or reports him being intoxicated, which is entirely possible that he could have drank a shit ton of beer and seemed not intoxicated. Yeah. Because he has such a high tolerance. Of course. Especially if you're throwing Um, back six kegs on Memorial Day weekend. Like, exactly. So um, at this point, I think Mandy's frustrated, like especially if they just got home from church and the kids, it's a Sunday afternoon, and they start fighting. So the Taunch's friends leave. Um, And at this point, Mandy's like, this is why I'm leaving because, you know, look at you. You know, you're getting wasted in the middle of the day on a Sunday. You didn't come to church with us, whatever. And she really like lets him have it. She's like, you know what? It's it, We're going to have to do it today. We're moving out. We're going to literally live in Amy's camper until we can find a place to live. Like, I don't want to live with you anymore. And she just finally like lays it all out there. And she's like, no, we're going to do this like tonight. We're leaving now. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. So he is horrified. Like he ends up like actually literally getting on his knees and begging her to reconsider. But she's standing firm. And at this point, Amy has realized like this is a conversation that Taunch and Mandy need to have and she needs to like not be around for this. So she like goes in the house with the kids and she's trying to like keep them away from this argument. And I guess that they had talked about in the car like – you know, we're thinking of like leaving your dad and like, you know, we might live somewhere else for a little while and you guys would come with us. And I guess the kids were just not really happy about that. But they were like, I mean, I guess that's what's healthier if we go with you guys. But they weren't like loving it because they also didn't want to live in Amy's camper, you know, yeah, with four people. So, that's exactly. A it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So they weren't like against it because they didn't want their mom to be with Amy. They just were like a, like almost a teenager and they're like, ew, that seems sucky. So this was something that was like kind of planned, but really I guess the fight and taunch drinking had like clicked it into overtime. Yeah. So Mandy's in the house with the kids and – Not Mandy, sorry. Amy's in the house with the kids. And when Taunch realizes Mandy's not going to change her mind, he storms off toward the house and he tells the two kids to get outside and play outside because he's going in the house at this point. And Mandy didn't know this was going on. She was like in the yard trying to like cool off and she didn't really think about what Taunch was doing. So by the time she realizes the kids are outside now, she realizes obviously Taunch is alone in the house with Amy. So she's worried about Amy, of course. So when she gets to the door, she's extra worried because he's locked the door. So the children and Mandy are locked out of the house and Amy is locked in the house with Taunch. No, like major So she goes around, yes, and she starts slamming on the window because she can see 
Amy and Taunch now arguing. Like, Taunch is yelling at Amy. And so she starts hitting the window like, hey, I can see you. And, like, also signaling to Amy like, it's going to be fine. I'm right outside, you know? And Taunch disappears. And when he leaves the room, um, Amy goes back over to the window and opens the window and starts pulling Mandy inside. Like, to let – have Mandy come in too. And so then Taunch comes back into the room holding Mandy's shotgun, which so is scary. like poignant and terrible because they had a ton of guns he could have picked from and he specifically chose the one he gave her for their first Christmas. Yeah. So it was very like thought out which weapon he was going to use to kill her lover. And so their of lover. Course, yeah, their lover that he brought into the relationship. So of course the women are t- terrified right now and he sees that Mandy got inside and he goes good I want you to see this then he raises the shotgun and says you can't have either one of us and shoots Amy dead in the chest holy shit so at this point of course Mandy is screaming and she runs to Amy who is on the couch like she just fell backward on the couch so she's trying to figure out if there's any way Amy survived this and obviously there's blood everywhere and while she's doing this Taunch angles the shotgun up at his jaw and shoots so I think he needed to get closer to like his throat and like his head but it's really hard I think to shoot yourself with a shotgun oh my god I that has to be so difficult yeah so he just shoots like part of his jaw off at this point and and Mandy doesn't know whether he's alive or anything but she's freaked out obviously so she finally finds the phone it was like a cordless she gets her hands on the phone and she calls 911 and while she's talking to the 911 person this is what they hear Taunch is still alive. He realizes that that first shot didn't work. He's still alive. So he manages to get the gun and shoot himself again. So now now Mandy realizes he's still alive and she's screaming and crying. And that's when she wrestles the gun away from him because he was reaching for it a third time. Holy shit. Did he mm-hmm. hit himself the second time? Both. So he, I think that he was still mostly together the first shot and the second one just oh. shot the jaw straight off. And so that's why there was the bloody fingerprints because there was blood from him the second and third time he tried to reach for the gun. And then, of course, she was covered with Amy's blood when she was she finally got the gun away from him and he collapsed. And the saddest part of the entire thing is that Mandy's story is corroborated by her 12-year-old son, Logan, who saw the entire thing through the window. Oh, my God. I mean, how scarring is that? What is Logan? It's just devastating. Just absolutely devastating. So the trial kicks off on July 12th, 2011, two years after the crime had taken place. Taunch is 39, and he's missing his jaw. We'll, we'll put... It's going to be like a spoiler alert if people haven't listened to the episode, but we will put a picture of him at the trial on the Instagram and you can see how they tried to reconstruct his jaw. Um, so he is now disfigured. Um, Mandy divorced him in 2009, obviously. It's crazy and that you still have to get a divorce after all of that. Like I feel like the, I- <laughs> what, the marriage should just like automatically like be over. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you still have to go through the legal paperwork. That's of saying, insane. Can you imagine somebody's like, well, why would you like a divorce? Well, let me tell you why I'd like a divorce. 
Jesus Christ. Yes. And now she's testifying for the prosecution against him, obviously. Okay. So it's a seven-man, five-woman jury, and they have to decide between voluntary manslaughter, murder one, which is like premeditated murder, or not guilty. And the defense pretty much acknowledges that they aren't going to get not guilty with all of the evidence stacked against him. And this dude with a missing jaw in the courtroom? Yeah, exactly. So they're pushing for voluntary manslaughter, um, which comes with a significantly reduced sentence compared to premeditated murder. And they argue that Taunch was under a lot of stress. I guess he had like just moved his grandfather into a nursing home. He was stressed at work. He was obviously intoxicated. And they also said he was abusing Xanax at the time. A forensic toxicologist testifies that his blood alcohol content based on what he drank that day would be between 0.17 or 0.23. Okay. Which is obviously more than double the legal limit or almost triple and would result in a normal person not being able to regulate their emotions or actions or being able to operate in a credible way. They contend it can't possibly be premeditated because he wasn't thinking and he just snapped. The prosecution's rebuttal witness is a doctor who refutes what the forensic toxicologist is saying, who Basically, the court does give more credence in the judge to what the prosecution's rebuttal witness is saying because the forensic toxicologist isn't actually a doctor. And the guy who's the rebuttal is a doctor. And he says that Tonch has drank anywhere from six to 12 beers a day for like 15 years. So while it's true that most people would have their judgment impaired after X amount of beers, um, Tonch had such a tolerance that wouldn't have affected him the same way, which I think is totally true. For sure. Yeah. He also said that locking Mandy and his children out shows premeditation as well. Yep. As well as articulating you can't have either one of us. So basically the prosecution argues that premeditation doesn't need to be a month or even an hour in advance. It can be mere minutes that prove forethought happened. Yeah. It's just not like self-defense or like involuntary. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like something like even like something like you're drunk and you accidentally hit somebody is like involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. This, there was no – there's no evil intent. Here he had to go get a gun uh-huh. and point it at somebody. And he's a really accomplished hunter. So he knows how to kill. Not accomplished enough to shoot himself. I know. Oof. So the defense has friends of Tonch's testify to his character trying to, like, help his case, including Benjamin, who was the one designing the rings, who talked about how Tonch helped him overcome his drug addiction, and Anna. Remember Anna from the beginning? Yeah, I remember Anna. So she actually, yeah, she actually testifies on Tonch's behalf, saying that he'd always been an incredible friend and always kind and never violent. And I guess he had planned a benefit for her cancer-stricken mother. So she was saying he was like this great guy. She she was an extra partner and he had never done that to her, you know? Yeah, but it's like entirely different circumstances. I guess get- it's also we're we're talking about nine years apart. She was with them in two thousand and this is nine How years is later. That relevant? Change. A random chick that you had a threesome with? Yeah. So, I mean, this is just the defense trying to do anything to mitigate his actions, you know? Um, so the jury deliberates for <laughs> yeah. The jury deliberates for five whole days, which is the longest wow. deliberation in Iowa County history. Whoa. And yeah, so this was a long ass deliberation. And I think that the jury asked for different 
advice from the judge at certain points. Like what if only one person is the standout and they're like, nope, it has to be, you know, unanimous. Like you guys just have to figure it out. Sorry. And they really had a hard time with this verdict, but eventually they rule him guilty of premeditated murder. And he is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he will end his days there. Yeah. So he um, he files an appeal. Yeah. He files an appeal to overturn his sentence, but the conviction is upheld in 2012. So he's going to be there forever. He's still there. So Amy's parents established the Amy Gephardt Memorial Trust at the Hartman Nature Center for the Education of Young Children and released the following statement. Amy was our only child and we had 35 wonderful years with her. She was a talented writer, photographer, and musician. She loved children and shared her interest in science and nature with them. Oh, so sad. I mean, it's really, really sad. I think this is the second case we've had where two people had fallen in love against all odds and were going to be together, like um, Diana and Joss. And our gun owners. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a common <laughs> denominator as well. And they were like just on the precipice of running away together when something happened. So Super, super duper sad for Amy, obviously, and her family. And Mandy remained in the small community of Marengo. I think she's still there. She eventually remarried. And um, it looks like, yeah, it looks like she's really, really close to her kids. I found her Facebook profile and it looks like she talks to her kids and spends so much time with them. They're like obviously grown-ish now. They're older. They're in their 20s. And it looks like they have a really nice relationship and they spend a ton of time together. So hopefully that little family has healed and everybody has grown from there. So yeah, so that's it. And we're just going to finish with some (laughs) of my space. (gasps) Jesse, that was a concise and drama filled story. I know. That one was like quick and dirty, that yep. one, you know? Um, quick, dirty, and it was deadly. Dirty and deadly. It was it was a nasty quickie is what that one was. Um, and just some some of the things that are like kind of haunting from Taunch's MySpace when you realize like later what happened is that one of his pictures is like him pointing a gun like at the person taking the photo. Ooh, I do not like that at all. No. So that was one of his – photos. And he said, I am the best guy in the world until you start pushing my buttons or screwing with my people. I'm also a diehard hunter. I live to terrorize all those cute furry critters and turn them into cute, tasty steaks. If you are a PETA member or other sort of bunny hugger, move on as we have nothing to talk about. Anybody else is a potential friend I just haven't met yet. Ooh, him and I would not be friends. Yeah, you're a bunny hugger, man. Yeah. Yeah, and he said some, like, other stuff. Like, he took one of those, like, quizzes where you say, like, what you like, and it's, like, Pepsi or Coke, and he wrote Old Milwaukee. Like, he was a big beer drinker. (laughs) Old Milwaukee, too, is not, like, a choice beer. But I guess if you're, like, drinking, like, a keg, you got to go with the cheap stuff. He said, in the past month, have you drank alcohol? Duh, have you met me? Oh, my God. Yeah. In the past month, have you been on drugs? Just the ones that keep me from killing stupid people. Whoa, Tanchi. I know, Tanch. It says, oh, he says in this, ever been beaten up? He said, once will never happen again, guaranteed in capital letters. And I think what he's referring to (laughs) is that I found out that he tried to have a hand at a mixed martial arts career. You're lying. Nope. I when I Googled him, I found his mixed martial arts MMA. record. 
his MMA record. He had been in one fight and he submitted in 39 seconds. You are lying your face off. <laughs> no, that's just so fast. He must have been in way over his head. Oh, we need to find more details on that. Yeah. Also, the guy who beat him was a guy named Justin Beer. It's literally spelled exactly like Bieber without the second B. It's like Justin Beer, B E I E R. <laughs> so he's basically, in got, my mind, got beat by his Justin Bieber. His ass was kicked by Justin Bieber. Yeah, let's just all go with that. This terrifically horrible murderer. We can all just picture his ass getting beat by Justin Bieber. Oh, that's such a great note to end on. That really is it. And then the number of things in my past I regret, he's like, no regrets. But he spelled it the right way. But I'm just imagining also the tattoo. <laughs> the no rag rats. Yeah, so that's we're going to end on a sad MySpace note. So in closing, if you're going to be one of the lucky few who get to have a threesome and a marriage, follow the rules. Oh, gosh, absolutely. And as always, remember, we're all just one bad relationship away from getting murdered. Bye. Bye. Bye.